Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. We are beginning a brand new series of lessons, as you can see, called Generosity. Uh, this is going to go throughout the entire month of November. We feel like it's a really great time to talk about it. We are in that season. We feel more generous, right? we got Thanksgiving coming up. Then there's that other holiday coming up in December, the C word. But we don't talk about that till after Thanksgiving, right? Um, but I wanted to start off with this, this illustration of Jenga. Jenga is an interesting game. How many of you ever played Jenga before? Yeah, a lot of you know how to play it. You know, you, each player, they go and they, they, they remove pieces. Ooh. Pieces. Right? And they, uh, they keep doing this until it gets more and more unstable. Oh, and I'm supposed to put it back up here. And so you just keep doing this until finally somebody takes out a piece ah, and it falls down. It's a great illustration of our finances. It's a great illustration of these financial decisions that we make. And a lot of times we'll make decisions that makes our financial stability a little bit more unstable. And the more we take out of this tower of financially good decisions by making bad decisions, the more it begins to teeter until finally for some people, the whole thing comes falling down. Or, or you're having to live your life kind of on the edge because you never know when the whole thing's just going to, to fall apart. How many of you are familiar with Dave Ramsey? Probably several of you. Uh, he is a, an author, a businessman. He has a radio show. Uh, he is a financial guru. But when, when he and his wife got, first got married, they moved to Nashville, and he was determined to get rich. And so after a while, he determined that he and his partner are not being very successful. So they went to this big conference uh, with a company in Birmingham, Alabama. That's right, at the beautiful Alabama Theater. Now, normally I wouldn't just put that up there because I'm from Alabama. Don't you know, we have beautiful things. I actually got to sing there one time. But anyway, that's a whole other story. But anyway, they got to hear all these great speakers there on this stage. And finally, the last day, it was the big guy. It was the one that everybody wanted to be one day. And he gets up and he makes his speech. And then he says at the end, he says, if you don't know God, you need to meet him. Because if you think business is about monetary transactions, you're going to fail. You need to learn that people are important and God's son Jesus will teach you that people are important. Dave Ramsey said he went back to the hotel, he found a Gideon Bible, and he started reading it. He got home, he told his wife, we're going to start going to church. They found a church, he was converted, he and his wife. He said the things that he learned in those sermons absolutely changed his life. Dave started buying and selling real estate, and he got rich. By the time he was 26 years of age, he had $4 million worth of real estate, a little over a million dollars net worth. He was making $250,000 a year 
in the 1980s. Dave went out and he bought the car he always wanted. He and his wife, they went on this luxurious vacation to Hawaii. They were living the life. Now, some of you, you may be thinking, well, that just shows you what the Bible says. Money's evil. No, no, no. The Bible doesn't say that. Did you know that? What it says is it's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. It is this craving for these things that will people will wander away from the set faith. They'll pierce themselves with many pains. You ever had pains in your financial decisions? Yeah. And so money makes you more of what you already are. It's not evil. It's not good. It is what it is. And who we are is what we make it out to be. If you are a selfish person and all of a sudden you get wealthy, you're going to spend it all on yourself. You're going to spend it on getting what you want. You're going to use it to create power for yourself. You're going to use it to promote yourself. If a generous person suddenly finds themselves wealthy, they will change entire communities with the wealth that God allows them to manage. You see, you become more of what you already are. That's what money does. I mean, how many of you have ever done something really stupid with money? Come on. Everybody's hand should be up. Because we all have. We all have. Whether we want to admit it or not, we all have. Even people who, who are, are wonderful with money and they've done a lot of great things with money, there's something somewhere along the line you say, this was really stupid. I actually read some confessions of people who said, what is, you know, they asked people, what is the dumbest thing you've ever done with money? And one person said, I bought a rare exotic cucumber from a guy who said it would give me good luck. <laughs> By the way, if you believe that, I'd like to talk to you right after. Because um, I have lots of these rare cucumbers. Another person said, said, my partner went out to buy vegetables for dinner and came home with a kayak. He forgot the vegetables and he's never used the kayak. Now, please don't be elbowing your spouse at this point. And then, this is for you young people, you older folks, you're not going to get this, but spent over $100 or more buying clothes for my avatar on a virtual reality game when I could have spent it on, you know, actual clothes. Right? These are really stupid decisions. Well, Dave was borrowing too much money. He had $4 million in real estate, but he had $3 million worth of debt on it. That bank was suddenly sold by to another bank. Some guy in another city looked at this 26-year-old and all the debt that he, he had with the company, and so they decided we need to start calling his notes. And over the next two and a half years, Dave says he lost everything. They had a brand new baby. They had a brand new, or had a brand new baby. They had a toddler. Suddenly their marriage is not going quite as well as they had hoped it would go. In fact, money, you may not know this, money is one of those things that is one of the top reasons why people divorce. I'm happy to say that their marriage made it, but they finally lost everything. It was at that point that he decided to quit playing Jingo. It was at that point that he decided, I want to do things God's way. I don't care what the books say. I don't care if people get mad at me. 
I'm going to do it the way God says to do it. He says, I, I met God on my way up. He said, but I got to know God on my way down. And so he had this financial degree. He said, I had all of these letters and licenses after my name. He said, but I was broke. And so he said, I'm doing it God's way. Did you know that there are 2,500 scriptures that talks about how to handle your money and possessions? God is concerned about how we manage His stuff. And if you don't know, God owns everything. He is the Creator. He loves us. He is generous with us. He wants to bless us. But at the same time, we need to understand whose it belongs to. We are stewards of those things. So Dave started reading his Bible to find out what the Bible had to say about money. And he will tell you and others will tell you what it says. It is absolutely sound when it comes down to these matters. There are five things that he says that he learned, and I'm going to share with you this morning. Five things that he said he learned that he said over time it will absolutely change your life. There's more than that in the Bible, of course, but he said, if you'll just start out with these five things from Scripture, he says it will absolutely change the way you do life. You'll be able to live life like you never imagined. And here's the first thing he says, make a budget. That sounds very simple, but write it down. Write it down. Decide how, how your money's going to work. Jesus said, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? whether he has enough to complete it. Does that make sense? That makes sense. We don't buy towers, though, do we? We buy other things. And so here, this is, this is really good stuff, and Jesus is using this for, for other things, but, but you get it, right? John Maxwell, he's the one that said, a budget is people telling money what to do instead of not knowing or wondering where it went. So last night, the Astros win the World Series. Boo. But anyway, they win the World Series. But you know what? When they go running up to these guys and they, they talk to them and said, you know, how did you do it? You never hear anybody say, well, I don't know. We just kind of like showed up on the bus and this thing happened. No, we know that there was planning it was using skill. It was doing those things that needed to be done in order to get to that position, right? So make a budget and stick to that budget. Here's the second thing. Get out of debt. Get out of debt. Proverbs has a whole lot to say to us about money. Here's the first thing it says. Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Let me say it so everybody can hear it. <laughs> the borrower is slave to the lender. And some of you know exactly what this feels like firsthand. In this country, people have made tons of money and they have nothing to show for it. They gave up all, they gave everything they have to a financial system that is designed to go after your money and to take your money. And we got to stop doing that because, look, we all understand there are needs and there are wants, right? 
And we all admit to that. And sometimes we look at some of our wants and we say, well, maybe it can go over into the needs category. But most of us, we know, we know this needs and this wants situation. But then we start playing Jenga because once I get all the needs taken care of, then, you know what, I'm, I really want this other thing and I think I deserve it. So I'm going to get some credit cards. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to start picking out some credit cards and, and, um, and I may even begin to max them out. Ooh, boy. That was a tricky one. And your, your tower's getting worse. And you may get to a point you say, oh, man, I've got, I'm paying so much, not only in, in buying these things that I've even forgotten what they are. I don't even use them anymore, and I'm still paying on them. And I'm also paying interest on top of those things. And you get to a point, you know, it's killing me. So what do you do? You keep playing Jenga. So this time, whoo. So this time you do something like uh, um, you, you, you get a second mortgage on your home. Ah, oh, got a little breathing room. But boy, that tower's sure getting a little more unstable. And then you think, I got some breathing room. And there, you know, there's something I really want. And you just keep going back into the Jenga tower. And we just keep making it a little bit more and more unstable. Some of you know, like I said, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Christmas is coming up. Oh, I said the C word. But anyway, Christmas is coming up, right? A lot of you are already buying Christmas gifts. Well, the ladies, us men, we wait till Christmas Eve. But anyway, you know, and, and we can start to think to ourselves, you know, my kid, listen, I may not have the money, but my kid deserves to have as much as their friends have. It's not fair. It's not going to be. So I'm going to I'm going to get me another credit card and I'm going to make sure that they get what they want. And you know what? My husband, he's been so great this year. I know my wife says that every year. And, and so I want to make sure he gets everything that's the best. Right. So I'm going to get him something really nice. Or vice versa. And, and we just start piling up these debts on Christmas. This is, a, I mean, it's like, I already got all this stuff, but you know, it's Christmas. And in fact, that's a really a need, right? That's a need that I have. No, no, no. It's a want. And we, we create for ourselves this awful system. We start paying late fees because we're not paying our stuff on time. And, and this cycle's just got to continue to be broken. And some people are going to eventually, the tower's going to come down. They're going to go bankrupt. But even if you're able to live this way in this unstable financial tower and, and you're just able to keep it going, you get to a point, you're living paycheck to paycheck. You get to this point where you can't, you can't even leave your house anymore. You can't go do anything fun. You can't even go to the movies anymore because you're stuck there. You can't have everything that you want without becoming a slave to the lender. And the Bible teaches us this other C word. It's a really good one. It's called contentment. We don't always like it. But contentment is an important word for us to learn when it comes down to our finances. So take this book seriously. Take, take it seriously for what it has to say to you. Buy a vehicle that you can own and not one that owns you. 
buy clothes that you can own and not clothes that own you because you just keep putting it on these tabs. Buy a house that you can eventually own and not one that's going to own you. I mean, my wife and I, we've been looking to buy a house for a little while now, and all of a sudden, these prices have skyrocketed, you know? And, and now interest rates have skyrocketed. And we, we really, we want to get, you know, we're, and here's the thing, we're trying to downsize, you know? We finally got all the kids out, you know? But it's like, we can't do it, because if we do it right now, it's not smart. As much as I want to put it on my my needs category, it really is a want. At least until I can make some better financial decisions. And I know this because I've been there before. I've been on the other side of it. I don't want to be on that side of it. Here's another thing. Foster high-quality relationships. Have you ever thought about how your relationships affect you financially? Here's what Proverbs, or actually 1 Corinthians says. He says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Now, we know it talks about a lot of different things when you get down to this. But it also has to do with your finances. Studies say that over the next decade, your income will be within 10% to 15% of the average of your 10 closest friends. So think about your 10 closest friends right now. You know, listen, when I was young... The neighborhood kids, we had, there were several in our neighborhood. They would come to my house. We had a good yard to play football. We had a basketball goal. We'd play baseball, you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, there were two kids, and, and they were brothers, and they cussed like sailors. Eventually, I picked up this colorful language, and my mom washed that colorful language out with soap. And my point here is simply this. It didn't take long before I just pick this stuff up. And the same thing is true with when it comes to this stuff as well, because bad company ruins good morals. So hang out with generous people and you will be generous. There are some people in this church I love to be with because I come away and I, I just I want to help other people. I just I want to do be smarter and, and do things the right way. So hang out with people that affect you. If, you. if you hang out with people who love to read their Bible, guess what? You're going to start reading your Bible. If you hang out with people who treat their spouse with respect, you're going to treat your spouse with respect. It's funny how that works. And so I'm not talking about, you know, being nice to some people and snubbing other people. No, no, we're Christians. I'm talking about your inner circle. I'm talking about the people who shape your language. They impact your spiritual life. They even impact your generosity. So think about some of those people in your life and ask yourself, are they, are they a person who thinks the way God wants me to think? Here's another one. Save and invest. So if you don't have any debts and you've got a good plan, a good budget going on, then it's time to start saving and investing. Here's what Proverbs says. It says, precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. This is about saving for the future. Easy credit has a lot of people living on the edge of bankruptcy, right? Boy getting really tricky now. 
A lot of people. Mm. And feeling like, mm, hold on. Woo. My tower's getting really unstable. Oh, a lot of shaking there. Um, but the desire to keep up appearances and accumulation has created this, this tremendous debt for people. And the Bible says, biblically, that is a fool. And, and look, I know you may not like that language, but that's just what the Bible says. You've got to take that up with God. And I understand it because I've been there myself. I've done foolish things. I've paid foolishly at times for those things. You know, it's one of those things. When I was younger, you know, I was always able to make money, but I didn't always have money. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Many of you are trying to out-earn your stupidity. That, by the way, is stupid. <laughs> you can't out-earn your stupidity. You just can't do it. It doesn't work because a wise person puts money aside for those hard times. And what they say is you should have three to six months worth of your salary um, saved away for emergency funds. And I know that's, that's quite a bit, but you, that means you've got to work. You've got to work on it in order to get to that point. But think about, you know, 2020, man, here comes this pandemic. There were places, you know, businesses, they all shut down. And, and you know, people, there are people who were without a paycheck. They, uh, you know, stimulus checks come in, but that, that doesn't go very far. But still, you know, you just see yourself. Some of you, you may be in a situation with your job and all you hear about is downsizing, right? And, and you're wondering what's going to happen. Wouldn't it be a lot less stressful in that time in 2020 and, and anything that like downsizing or what? Wouldn't it be less stressful if you had little to no debt and you had about $20,000 in emergency fund? It would. We, we all understand that. And so because in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. One more point. Have outrageous generosity. Outrageous generosity. Once you get to this point, folks, this is when it gets fun. This is where, you know what? Uh, you can go write a check to the source to help feed the homeless. Or maybe you hear of a, a single mother and she's in need of a car desperately. And you learn through maybe uh, CareNet or whether through Buggy Bunch. And, and you're able to go to one of those and say, you know what? I'm buying that person a car. I'm, I'm not talking about a brand new car, but you buy them something that, that's dependable, something that they can get around. Wouldn't that be great? Or, or maybe you hear, you know, when, uh, when Arthur David comes in and he's talking about, you know, the, the children's school there in Liberia. This is just a, a awfully po poverty-stricken place. And... and and, but yet, you could write a check for a, a child or 10 children, maybe 100 kids, to be able to get this good Christian education. First of all, to get an education at all, but then to get a Christian education in this place. It's going to help. It's going to change the trajectory of their lives. And you can do that because you've gotten to a point that you can be generous you know somebody in the community, they, they're having trouble with their light bill. You can go down there and you can pay for that light bill. But you can't do that if you're broke. 
You can't do that if you're living paycheck to paycheck. You can never understand the feeling of helping people in their most desperate of times. Let me throw in a couple of verses at you. One comes from 2 Corinthians 9, 7. He says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Certainly, selfish people can be like that. But if you're, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, boy, that's a reluctant thing too, isn't it, right? But he says, look, here's what God loves. He loves a cheerful giver. And then you have 1 Timothy 6, and he says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertain riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are, watch this, to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of it, that which is truly life. You want to know what true life is about? This is it. And, and so I want you to think about that. Think about Thanksgiving. It's coming up. That's the big holiday. That's the great one. Let me just tell you. And so a lot of you are going to be like me. You're going to be surrounded by your family, the big feast. These are the people who love you, and you're excited about it. So here's what I want to challenge you. Go before you go, if you're staying in Vero, go to IHOP or go to some other place you know that is open that day um, and, and, and go in and ask for a cup of coffee, sit down that morning, have a cup of coffee, and then leave a $100 bill or maybe 200 maybe 300 If you're going out of town, do the same thing. Maybe you go to a Waffle House. Think about who are the people working at these places on Thanksgiving Day. And you put that money down, and then you go out to your car, and you watch God work. Because listen, I don't care if that waitress was in church last Sunday. I don't care if they hadn't been to church in over 20 years. They can smell God's Spirit. They know when God's doing something. And you will see this, this, this explosion on their face. Maybe tears of joy because you change that that. The, that person's entire month just in that tip that you were able to give. You can do that if you get yourself to a position where you can be generous. It feels good. And if you're not a generous person, it may be because you're in debt. It may be because you haven't saved money. It may be because you're not on a budget and you just spend willy-nilly. I know that's an old term. Or, or it may be you're hanging out with some selfish people. Some of you realize it and you know I'm, you're sitting there thinking, I, I need to make some serious changes in my life right now when it comes down to this financing. Because right now, everything is just kind of hanging on, right? It's just, it's just, oh. I kept another one out. Just kind of. And some of you know you're not far from that. Now, it makes God smile when we decide we're going to change this. I, I don't want this to happen in my life. I don't want to live even with a, a tower that's just very shaky. I want to live the way God wants me to live. 
First thing I would tell you to do is, besides read your Bible, listen to these things that we talked about. This is a book called Financial Peace. It's by Dave Ramsey. I recommend it to anybody. This is my book. If you want to get, a, if you want to borrow it, listen. It's borrowing. People are bad about preachers, uh, people who borrow preachers' books, right? Tom, Tom knows what I'm talking about. But you can borrow my book. Uh, you, can, you can go and get it. If you're going to spend a credit card on something, it, you go do that, okay? Because I promise you, it's going to help you get out of that, that situation. Um, it may be that you don't know how to do a budget. It may be you need some financial help. We've got people in this church right now who can help you. They are good with money. They are generous, God-fearing people. And they would love to sit down with you and to help you. And, and I know when we talk about money, it's like, this is embarrassing. I would hate to go to the church and talk to them about these things. Listen, it's God smiles on this. We smile on this because what you're saying is, I want, I want to live like God. I want to live the way God wants me to live. I want to be a blessing in other people's lives. And I want to do it the way God desires. And probably all of us, I know I'm one of these, that can say, I can do better. And when I say I can do better, I know that makes God smile. And I know that's what you want for your life. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your church and the incredible work that you have allowed to be done through the generosity of so many. Thank you for the work that matters. We ask you to bless people to help them have the power to change their lives. May your spirit speak to them through them and bring change. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.